This Dark and Winding Road. Written by Eric Lee Garcia. Audiobook version. Coming soon. Plot synopsis. Vireal invites George on a ride along. Eric and his dad take a shopping trip to the mall. Leah and Swanson go to dinner. Extra thoughts. I started writing this chapter in July 2020. It's a father and son dynamic chapter as we see Eric and his dad almost blending with the storyline with George and Vireal. Two different pairings of people but more similar than we realize. We also get to see the chemistry between Ophelia and her ex-husband who is a supposed changed man but can people ever really change? We'll find out as these days constantly tries to answer that question many times with almost all of its characters. Let's begin. Disclosure. Let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. 1. The Tire Incident Part 1. 2. The Ride Along Part 1. 3. Recovery, Continued 4. A Little Story Before Dinner. 5. The Tire Incident Part 2. 6. Dinner With My Ex-Husband Part 2. 7. The Ride Along Part 2. 8. Dinner With My Ex-Husband Part 2. 9. The Ride Along Part 3. Scene 1. The Tire Incident Part 1. 2.30 PM. May 10th, 2014. We start by seeing Eric and Lee step into a vehicle. They begin driving away with Spanish music playing in the background. Eric, voiceover. I haven't gone out yet. I haven't hung out with my friends much lately. I've been hanging with Gabby mainly. She's, she's such a great girl. My dad insisted on taking me to the mall today. I kind of didn't want to come but he insisted. I've been saying on how I could use a new jacket. I usually go shopping for that with my mom but my dad volunteered to take me. I guess there's a first time for everything. Lee. The mall should have it right? Eric. Yeah I think so. Lee. How are you Miho? Eric. I'm okay. Lee. You look a lot better. You look good Miho. You look like you're cured. Eric. I don't know about cured but yeah I'm getting better. Lee. What do you tell the guy? What's his name? Eric. Dr. Pina. Lee. Dr. Pina? Eric. No ha, Dr. Pina. Lee. Oh okay. Eric. I tell him everything. I talk about everybody there. Lee. Do you talk about me? Eric. Sometimes. Lee. What do you tell him about me? Eric. That you're a hardworking man. Lee. Have you told him about how we've gone to six WrestleManias? Eric. Yeah, I've brought it up, and we went to four WrestleManias, not six ha ha. Lee. Are you sure? Eric. I'm sure dad ha. The scene then shows the truck continuing in the street from a back view. It approaches a red light and Licinio slows down for the stop. His phone makes a noise. We can see the highway nearby. Licinio reaches for his phone. He laughs to himself reading the message he received. The light turns green with Licinio driving and texting. He approaches the right to get on the highway. He continues driving like this looking up occasionally. They approach the right and Licinio makes too much of a sharp right turn and he steps over the curb. Lee. Oh shit. Eric. This is why you don't text and drive. He drops his phone and focuses on the road. He drives off the curb too quick. He gets off the curb only for the tire to pop as soon as he does. They begin driving slowly with the right front tire popped. They approach a little street and pull into it for a full stop. Lee leans his head against the wheel slowly. Eric unbuckles his seat belt and looks at his dad. The camera shows the tire popped out of the rim as the camera pans back and the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 2. The Ride Along Part 1. 5.29 PM. February 21st, 2049. We open up to George and Vireal in George's car driving down the highway. George is at the wheel and Vireal sits in the passenger seat. George. You're shitting me. Vireal. No. I'm serious. He had been dead for months when we found them. My bug guy thinks that Julio's body was dumped there but not that last time we saw him. As late as a month before. George. Bug guy? Ha ha ha. Vireal. Oh grow up. George. We got Julio dead. We also got Sharp missing. What the fuck is going on? What the hell happened to the peace I once knew? To the peace that is demanded in America? 
Villarreal. I wish I had a clue but I got nothing. My guys are keeping their eyes wide open but clearly whoever is doing this, is covering their tracks well. The camera shows a farmhouse in the distance on the small road they're driving perpendicular to. Villarreal. Didn't we kill a guy there? George. Let me see. George slows down on the road to see the house. Squinting while he does it. George. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah that guy owed a lot of debts and I gave him chance after chance but we did what we had to do. You came with us that time to watch over us. You were our babysitter that day ha ha. Villarreal. Didn't that guy have a pretty girlfriend? George. The very same. He had a pretty girlfriend but she was legally blind. I mean blind is a fucking bat. She ran reaching for the phone but we had cut the lines before we went and ha ha. She started screaming and shouting in the house. I think Marco knocked her out just to shut her the hell up. Villarreal. Did she ever make it out of the house? George. Who knows? All I know is that we didn't kill her. I knew we were safe because she couldn't have seen anything. Villarreal. You're a terrible human being. George. I try my best. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Villarreal. Thanks for volunteering your car and your gas. They turn left into a long narrow dirt road. George drives slower than he was earlier so the car doesn't get too dirty. George. You said you'd give me money for gas asshole. Villarreal. We'll see. George. We won't be seeing shit until I see some of this promised gas money. Villarreal. Simmer down hothead. George. Hothead? Now I know you want to get your ass kicked. Villarreal. How do the young people say it? Chill the fuck out. George. I might just leave you out here in the middle of nowhere to teach you a lesson. Villarreal. You leave me out here stranded, ha ha. I'll break into your little house and break every light bulb in your house even the extra ones in the cabinet. George. What the fuck? Really? You do that to me? Villarreal. And if I felt like that wasn't enough, I'll slash all your fucking tires asshole. One by one. George. You wouldn't dare. Villarreal. Try me then. George continues driving down the dirt road as they look at each other with a handful of emotions in the air. Would Villarreal really break into George's house to slash his tires? Does George believe him? George thinks about it for a moment. He does believe that Villarreal would do such a thing. A warehouse can be seen in the distance and they continue driving. They eventually are right outside of the warehouse as the car comes to a full stop. They step out of the car and enter the warehouse. The camera doesn't go inside of the warehouse and instead stays focused on the entrance door outside. Moments later, we see both Villarreal and George step out of the warehouse with several bags of something. George opens his trunk as they place bag after bag inside of the car. George. How much is it? Villarreal. I think it's close to a million. That's what the guy owed us. I think it was 800,000. Around there. They continue placing bag after bag inside George's trunk. A total of almost 8 to 10 bags filled with money apparently. George. Why do you insist on picking up the dropped off money from this guy? Villarreal. People get greedy. I also don't like counting. If I send someone over here and they stole some, I wouldn't know because I don't count it. George. Why don't you count it? Villarreal walks over to the passenger side and leans against the car. Villarreal. I don't got time to count almost a million dollars. My time is precious. Now if it's like a hundred thousand, I'll have the other guy I come with count it to confirm. Nobody knows this. As far as everyone knows, we counted that money in the trunk. Got it? George. I guess I do. Villarreal. No fucking guessing. You know it for a fact. George closes the trunk as he starts walking to the driver's side. They enter the car and close each of their doors. One right after the other. We then see George and Villarreal sit down and think to themselves for a second as George turns on the car. Villarreal. Now let's get the fuck out of here. It's already getting dark out. I promised the wife we'd go to some fancy restaurant. She's been wanting me to take her out. George. Oh me too. I promised mine the same thing. Where you all going? Villarreal. It's an Italian restaurant. George. So is mine. Villarreal. Mine's on the east side. George. Aw oh man. Mine's on the west side. Villarreal. What a bummer. 
The sun begins setting as George gets ready to drive back down the dirt road. The dust rises as he drives away from the warehouse and back down the narrow dirt road. We can see all the open landscapes around them. George smiles at the road as we see a clearly zoomed in box of nails on the street several miles away from them. It's near the end of the dirt road and near the actual roadway. It's open wide open with several nails spread all around almost as if someone just threw them out the window. It's also possible that they fell out of someone's trunk. 10 miles from the box of nails. George. I'm thinking of a chicken parmesan myself. What you thinking about Vireal? Vireal. I'm thinking of a lasagna but a real good one. One that takes my breath away as I bite into it. The cheeses they use there, so good. Moi. George. I like cheese but sometimes I feel like they don't put enough cheese. Five miles from the box of nails. George. Maybe with a little red wine. Italian food goes good with red wine. Vireal. I'm not really a fan of red wine. A. Maybe a glass of white wine. My wife's the one who loves the red wine. I can't stand it. 500 feet from the box of nails. George doesn't see the box of nails and runs over it. His front left tire pops immediately as he tries to not lose control of the vehicle. Vireal just bats his eyes and takes a deep breath holding himself. He holds it in slowly and lets it out even slower. George maintains a steady pace and then slows down enough to a stop. He puts his head against the wheel trying to hold in his anger. The car stops a couple of feet away from the roadway. We see the long dirt road that they just came from as we see that there is no sign of anything or anyone on either sides. George. God damn it. Son of a bitch. What did I step on? Vireal. Hey calm the fuck down. Let's see how bad it is first and then we can whine and complain. Your car has a spare anyways right? George and Vireal exit the vehicle and go walk for a bit until they slowly approach the runover box of nails. Vireal. Right? George. Who the fuck leaves a box of fucking nails? Bastards. Look at my car. Vireal. Forget about the fucking car for a second George. Do you have a spare tire? George. I did. Vireal. Well, isn't that great? You did. George. I did. Vireal. Check and see if your phone has signal. They both pull out their phones walking around holding it up. George. I got no bars. Vireal. Me neither. George. Wait I'm getting one bar over here. Fuck. It dropped. Vireal. What's the plan boss? George. This isn't my fault Vireal and you know it. What do we do? Vireal. The only thing we can do. George. Which is? I swear if you say pray I'm going to fucking lose it. Vireal. Faith can move mountains asshole. George. Good luck with that. I'm going back to my car. Let me know if those prayers are answered. Vireal. We could just drive as much as we can like that. George. Yeah let's just fuck up George's car more. Real smart plan. Vireal. You got a better plan? I'm all ears asshole. George. Damn it. We can't hitchhike leaving my car here. Vireal. I'm not as young as I used to be anymore. Walking really affects my arthritis. George. And I'm not walking either because fuck walking. Vireal. We'll drive slowly in your car then. George. Stupid. Stupid pieces of shit. Vireal. What are you rambling about? George. When I find out who left that box of nails there. Vireal. I get a free shot at them too. George and Vireal stare at the car for a few more seconds. The sun is shown shining bright about an hour and a half until it gets completely dark. They begin walking back to the car as they both open their doors and enter. George closes his door with aggression as the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 3. Recovery, continued. 3.49 PM. May 12, 2014. We open up to Dr. Pina's office with both Eric and Dr. Pina seated. Eric almost leans back in the one-seater as his therapy continues. Dr. Pina. I noticed you made a friend outside in the waiting area. Eric. I guess I did. I didn't think I'd make friends here haha. Dr. Pina. What's her name? Eric. Rosie. Dr. Pina. It's a cool name. She's one of my colleague's patients. She seems like a sweet girl. Eric. 
She's nice. A little funny. Dr. Pina looks at Eric's facial expressions. Dr. Pina. Just so I understand clearly, you like Gabby, right? Eric. She was, she's special. Dr. Pina. I'll take that as a yes. The good thing is you still got two weeks until she's gone. You guys have gone to the movies, you guys went bowling, lattes too. You have lived the dream that every teenager only wishes for. Eric. You're, you're saying I'm blessed? Dr. Pina. Very blessed. You have pictures and memories that no one can take away from you. You also started telling me in the last session on how the two of you started a Twitter account. How's that going for you all? Eric. We started working on it again. We're, we're getting followers and retweets. It's just a parody account so no one should be taking it seriously or anything. Dr. Pina. Cool. Good. Good. And you feel that this helps you by the laughter it brings? Eric. Yes. It, it makes me feel good to know people think my stuff is so stupid and laughable that they just have to retweet it or send it to their friends. Dr. Pina. Well, that's good. We've always said that laughter is the best medicine and we have proof that it is ha ha. Have you spoken to your dad yet? Eric. I have not. Dr. Pina. I thought you said you wanted to speak seriously about it with him. Eric. Hey, um, I do. I just, I, I, I just don't know. Dr. Pina. Are you afraid of him? Eric. No. No. Not really. Dr. Pina. I'm assuming he has gotten upset at you before. Eric. He got mad at me this past week. Well, I don't know what the feelings were but I didn't feel good about it. He made me feel bad when it was all his fault anyways. Dr. Pina. Well, what did he say? Eric. That he's not a good role model. That he's not a perfect man. Dr. Pina. Well, I mean, he's being honest with you. He's speaking to you like you are an understanding adult but you are not an adult. You are just a child. Those aren't things you say to children. Eric. I just wish things were different with everything. Is it normal doctor? Does every dad act like the way he does? Do they do what he does? Do you do that to your wife? To your family? Dr. Pina takes a slight pause to think about what he's going to say. Dr. Pina. You're angry at your father. Anger is a very good emotion we all experience. We all need to experience it a couple times. Feel the anger. Remember what it feels like. Learn to live with it. In life, we are going to feel so many things Eric. Sadness. Happiness. Anger, too many complex emotions we will feel in life. We need to know how each of these emotions affects us. We need to be ready to feel those feelings when they get here. Eric's breathing heavy walking back and forth from the couch to the two recliners. Eric. HFFF, hmm. Dr. Pina. We are not here to erase feelings Eric. We cannot erase things that we feel. We must learn to live with them. Eric. Why does everybody say that? Dr. Pina. Everybody says that? Eric. Why do we have to live with things? Dr. Pina. Eric. You're letting your emotions get the better of you. We are allowed to feel emotions but we shouldn't let them control us. You are in control of your emotions, not the other way around. Take a deep breath and exhale slowly. Then do it again. Eric takes a deep breath and exhales slowly as told. He does it again as Dr. Pina does it with him. Eric. Why do we have to live with things? Dr. Pina. Better. They've done statistics on these kinds of things. The studies show that it's better to remember those type of things. People can just forget things if they want, I'm not saying they can't. What I'm saying is the people who learn to live with things are stronger or tougher than those who just choose to forget it. Emotionally speaking I mean. Not, not tougher physically. Eric. Do you think we should live with things? Dr. Pina. It doesn't matter what I think. In life, you will have to make choices. Hopefully good choices. You will see the world from your eyes, from your own point of view. You must always have your own view. Don't agree with someone just because it sounds good. Question things Eric. Have an entitlement to your own view. Eric. How long have I been coming here? Dr. Pina. Almost a month. Three times a week. Eric. Wow. Dr. Pina. Do you feel this past month has helped you? Eric. I only came here because my mom insisted on it. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect coming here, I can't lie to you Dr. Pina, I do believe it has made me a better person. A slightly better, Eric. Dr. Pina. 
Well, you haven't forgotten anything because that's not what we've talked about. We've talked about so many things in here. Do you think we should live with things? How has that been helping you? Eric. I think it helps but there's always this feeling in the back of my mind. The feeling that I could feel better than this or that I should feel better. Have I thanked you for the progress so far? Dr. Pina. You thank me at the end of almost each session and I appreciate it but you must remember that it is all within you. I'm just a guide. The progress you make in here is all you Eric. You should be thanking yourself. Eric. I have a voice. I have my own thoughts. Not everyone will think I'm funny. Not everyone will be kind to me. Dr. Pina. And don't you ever forget that. Don't ever forget the things you learn in here Eric. The camera fades back zooming out at both of them smiling at each other. Eric exits the office walking down the hallway to the waiting area. He sees Rosie sitting in the corner. He goes to join her. Eric. What's up Rosie? Rosie. Uck. Nothing. I'm just on my rag. Eric. Your rag? Rosie. Yeah you know, rag? Eric. Um, you, oh, you mean you're on your. Rosie. Shh, yes. Eric. Oh okay. I get you, I get you. Rosie. Do you know what that is? Eric. Yes? Rosie. I'm having it pretty bad today man. Eric. How bad could it be? Rosie. Imagine your nutsack stretched out all the way to your nipples. Eric. That's, ow. No. Don't say that. Ow. Rosie. That's how women feel. Eric. Why Rosie? Just next time tell me I won't be able to understand. The image is clear in my mind now uck. Rosie. You getting food after this? Eric. My mom might want something. Rosie. You know what I could go for? Eric. What? Rosie. Wendy's. The 4 for 4. You ever had it? Eric. No. I haven't had Wendy's before. Rosie. You've never had Wendy's before? Eric. No. I've heard of it as a fellow fat guy but I've never eaten there. Rosie. Fellow fat guy? What? Ha. You're trippy. Eric. What do you get in your 4 for 4 order? Rosie. Well, the spicy nuggets are the ones to get. Regular nuggets? Please. The cheeseburger. I have more options you know. Why would I choose a chicken burger to go with chicken nuggets? This is why I came to Wendy's. I could have gone to that chicken place if I wanted a chicken sandwich that also sells chicken nuggets. Sheesh. They continue smiling as the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 4. A little story before dinner. 4.49 PM. February 21, 2049. We see Alejandro and Brian in the library. We see Brian bat his eyes. Alejandro puts the journal down on the table slowly as he waits for a reaction out of Brian. Brian. Whoa. Whoa. Alejandro. I know. It was scary. Brian. Robert really shot up the school? He took guns to school to kill people? Why? Why would he do that? How could he do that? Alejandro. I ask myself that question quite often son. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Brian. I mean Eric was in the school at the time. He was safe hiding in the janitor's closet. Thank God. I thought Eric was a goner. I'm glad he was okay. When Eric found out Robert was the shooter. When Eric found out the shooter had killed himself a couple of hallways away. He was so close to the danger. Alejandro. He was, but he, he turned out alright. I like to believe that he turned out alright. Leah enters the library to tell them that dinner's ready. They both smile at each other as they both head out walking to the kitchen. Brian. I am a robot. I can't walk normally. Where is the toaster? I want to have an important conversation with that toaster. Brian begins walking almost as if he forgot he has joints. Then we see right next to him, Alejandro does the same thing. They walk and bend their arms like robots. Everyone laughs slowly as they enter the kitchen. They stop the robot talk and enter the kitchen. They approach the kitchen table as we see in order, the baby, Carol, Andrew, Sir Smith, Leah, Ray, Brian, and now himself taking a seat. The food is passed as they all smile and pass the food to each other. We now see empty plates on the table as they begin talking to each other. Leah. Guys. There's something I have to tell you all. 
I'm sure you all will find out eventually but I'll tell you all anyways. Brian. My dad's out of jail. Leah. Honey. Brian. And he's back in our lives. He comes to visit me all the time now. We've gone to the movies once already. I started talking on the phone with him about two months ago. He would read me stories before I went to bed while he was in jail. I should have told you grandpa but I just didn't want to say anything but now you know the truth. Leah. Thank you honey. Andrew. Oh, so you all are friends now? Leah. Yeah. Kind of. He's a changed man Andy. Ray. I've met him twice already. Andrew. How was that? Ray. Not as weird as I thought it would be. Carol. Well, so you guys are friends now? Everything is good with you two now? Leah. Yeah. It's not perfect but it's better than it has been in a long time. He and Brian are starting to have a relationship again. Brian. Only when my dad doesn't work. He's working at Gracias Furniture. He tells me that he used to work there when he was younger. Andrew. I might just pay him a little visit. Brian. You should. You could stop and say hello to him. Leah. No. No you won't be visiting him. I'm trusting him Andy. He knows what happens if he messes up. Alejandro, voiceover. I hope he knows what could happen to him. I'll kill him if he hurts my daughter or my grandson. Ray. We got to have a little faith you know? Leah's told me about Adam. People can change. Carol. As long as you guys are happy. It must be exciting for you Brian. Brian. It's great. I missed my dad for a long time. Alejandro. We, we do have to believe that people can change. Sometimes, things in life affect us or change the chemistry inside us and we change or evolve into something better. Sometimes people change for the worst you know, but we have to believe that people can change for the better. I've never met this guy but Leah knows what she's doing. We shouldn't be quick to judge her decisions. Leah. Yes exactly. Thank you dad. Besides many things, he was the first man I ever loved. He's the father of my sweet child. We had so many wonderful years. No one can ever take that away from us. Did he make mistakes? Yes. I made some along the way too. Me pushing him away and keeping him away from his son does nothing but harm. Carol. Amen girl. Amen. Andrew. My mouth is shut. You're right. You're right. You're grown and you know what's best for you. Leah. Thank you for treating me like an adult. Brian. I didn't think it was a good idea either, but, but he's my dad. Everyone looks at each other. Alejandro. He is the father of this bright young man. People deserve second chances. As a man who has made many mistakes, I'm glad I've gotten chances. People believed in me. Like you all right here. I still remember walking into that courtroom like it was yesterday. I walked in with a smile on my face. I don't smile often. Well, maybe now I do. I went in there and did what I did. Maybe next time I don't have to do it in a courtroom since you all see each other more often. Andrew. We just, we weren't that close. Leah. Early on in my marriage to Adam, we were. We all bonded together. A couple of holidays later they decided to stop coming with us and going to Carol's parents' place. It was soon down to just me, Adam, Brian, and Mrs. Hernandez. I hope she's in a better place. I think about her all the time. Andrew. Yeah that's true we did. I always liked your cooking more sis. I'm just saying. Carol. You don't think my mom can cook like Leah? Andrew. Baby, Leah is a cooking master. You can't beat that. Neither can your mom. I'm sorry. Carol. Yeah she is. Leah's turkey always tasted better ha. Huh? Sir Smith. She does know how to make a very good turkey. I'll need that recipe for this Thanksgiving. Leah. We'll see my good sir. We will see. Alejandro. Maybe we have can have a little competition. One recipe. Two different cooks. With the rest of us as the judges. Brian. I like that plan. I like judging food. Alejandro. I like eating food. Everyone laughs. Leah nods her head and then begins speaking. Leah. We'll see guys. I wouldn't mind going one-on-one -on -one with the good Smith over here. He might dethrone my turkey guys. Sir Smith. You're too much Leah. Ha ha. Alejandro voiceover. Brian tells us that he's speaking to his father. I'm glad. It's about time he tells me.
His father is still being a good boy and that's for the better. He's been coming out clean on all his drug tests. He's going to AA meetings. Have a little faith sometimes? She has a point there. We see Alejandro looking on at his family for a moment. He stares almost as they just simply talk with one another in his kitchen. The camera catches a glimpse of everyone. Alejandro, voiceover. These people. I love every one of these people here. Every single one of them. Except maybe Ray but that's only because I don't really know him. I forgot to mention that I ran a background check on him. I had almost forgotten about that. His record was clean. Not a single ticket. Pays his taxes early. He he's okay in my book, for now. He hasn't done anything to irritate me but that could change. My daughter seems happy so he must be doing something right. As long as she's happy, I couldn't ask for more. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 5. The Tire Incident Part 2. 2.41 PM. May 10th, 2014. We open up to Lee searching for his phone. He looks to the sides of the seat and doesn't find anything. He then exits the truck looking under the seat for his phone. He finally finds it and then slams the driver's door shut. Lee. We need to change the tire. Quickly. Eric. Is it popped? Lee. Yes. It's popped. Eric. We can call somebody? Lee. No. We can change the tire. We don't need anybody else. This shit is serious. We'll need to be fast in changing the tire. Eric. Yes? Lee. Let's see how bad it is. They step out of the vehicle and go to see the pop tire. Lee hands Eric the keys. Lee. Hold on to them. Don't lose or let them stay in the truck. The truck locks automatically so don't leave them in the truck. Put them in your pocket. Lee opens the back door and lifts the back seat. He begins pulling out all the tools necessary for changing the tire. He pulls out a small crowbar, a tire wrench, and a mat. He also pulls out a little stand-looking thing that has a handle arm on it. Lee. This is a crowbar. This is a tire wrench. Eric. I'm guessing that's the mat for you to go down there? Lee. Yes. Exactly. Lee lays the mat under the truck and goes under the truck. Lee. Son of a bitch. Hand me the wrench miho. Quickly. Eric hands him the tire wrench. Lee. No. This is a tire wrench. The wrench. Wrench cabron. Eric. Which one's that one? Lee. Volgame Dios it's in the truck. In the back seat dammit. Eric goes into the truck and begins looking for a wrench. He knows what it looks like but he doesn't know where it is. He looks in the back seat and doesn't see anything. He then goes to the middle console and finds a wrench in there with a socket already attached. Lee. Hurry up. Eric. It wasn't in the back seat. Eric hands him the wrench quickly to Lee. Lee. S.A. Marrow. S.A. Marrow. The spare tire is unattached as Lee crawls from under the truck dirty from going under the truck. The shirt was a sky blue color but now it has light brown stains that Erica will more likely get angry about when she has to wash it. Lee. Woo. Let's change this fucking tire miho. Get me the jack. Eric. Jack? Lee. Yeah the jack. Eric. What's that? Lee. Como no sabes ks unjack? Eric. I don't know what that is. Licinio reaches into the truck and grabs the jack from under the seat in a jerking manner. Lee. This is a jack. Eric. Okay. Lee. You need to know what a jack is, my god miho. Who are you calling if you ever pop a tire? Eric. You. But now I'm not so sure. Lee places the jack behind the tire. The truck lifts itself at an angle. Lee. In case anything bad ever happens to you, you call me, yes. I am your father. I will always be there to help you when you need it. Eric. Okay. Lee. No. It's not okay. You should be glad you have a father like me. My father was an animal. People say he was a terrible man. I'm nothing like him. Eric. I've heard. Lee. You know what he would do if we were in a truck and the tire popped? He'd make me change it all by myself while he sat down inside of the truck. Eric. That's, awful. Lee. I hope you're not telling the doctor that I'm a bad father. I am a man who tragically loves women. What can I say? I love women but I'm not a bad father. I'm not the perfect father either. I have made mistakes. 
Every father has. I'm not perfect Miho. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Eric. Yeah, I know you're not. Lee begins using the tire wrench to loosen the pop tire. He reaches for a cheater pipe in the trunk. He loosens all of the bolts and tells Eric to pull the spare out from under. Eric pulls it out barely able to pull it. Lee. What do you tell him about me? Eric puts the spare tire against the truck as Lee takes the pop tire out. Eric. I tell him everything. Lee. Huh. If you think I'm a bad father. Eric. I'm not saying that. Lee. Well, what are you trying to say? Eric. I don't know what I'm trying to say, I just tell him how I feel dad. Lee. Hmm, you shouldn't feel bad. Those are your father's mistakes. You, you shouldn't feel bad for any of this. Eric. I wish it were that simple but I'm not you. You know my whole life growing up, you know what I wanted? Lee. What did you want that you didn't get? You had everything kids dream of and more. What could you possibly want that you didn't have huh? Eric. I wanted a relationship with my dad. I wanted to spend time with him because he wanted to spend time with me. Instead he focused on other things that aren't even worth anything. The only thing that is worth something is your family. You spend all your free time God knows where dad. I wish you spent time with the family because you wanted to. We almost always had Sunday dinners somewhere. We go eat and you go back to wherever it is you go. I wish I had more memories with all of us. I wish I had better memories with you. Lee. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way Miho. I have made many mistakes as a husband, as a father, and as a man. I can't change the past. The past will always be there. Eric. Dr. Pina suggested I speak my thoughts more often. You're right you can't change the past. I don't mean to hurt you or offend you. I know, I know that you are not a perfect human being. That's a fact. I would never hold anyone to those unrealistic standards. Nobody is perfect. Lee. Nobody can be perfect but you know what else? You know, the perfect family doesn't exist either? Eric. Yeah, it doesn't, but I always wish it did. Lee finishes putting the spare in place as Eric struggles to lift the tire and put it into the trunk. His dad comes out from under the trunk a couple of seconds later and helps him lift it as they place it in the trunk. The trunk rear door is closed with a loud locking noise made. They enter the truck and close their doors. Eric places the keys on the middle console as he looks out the window. He puts on his seat belt looking away from his dad. Lee notices but just grabs the keys and turns on the truck. They begin driving away in silence. Eric, voiceover. We didn't end up going to the mall. He called my mom to tell her about how it happened. He lied to her. He said he found a nail in the tire but that's not true. He popped the tire because he was texting someone. My guess is that he was texting Mary but I don't really know. All I know is that he was texting someone. It was his fault the tire popped but yet he yelled at me while he changed the tire. I helped as much as I could write but that's the main reason I had to speak my mind. I hold in so many thoughts in my head and I don't let them out. That's my biggest mistake. I need to change that because I can't be like that forever. They continue driving until they park right outside their house. Lee. I may not be the perfect father, but everything I have done my whole life has been for you all. My family. I work hard to have everything we have here. There's never been a day where you went to bed hungry or that you didn't have a Christmas present waiting for you under the tree. Eric. I know dad, but sometimes I wish you were different. I really do. It makes me feel like a horrible person saying that, but it's the truth. I wish you were different. Lee. Maybe what I do is wrong. Eric. It is wrong. There's no maybe. It is wrong what you do. Lee. I gotta go Miho. Forget about all this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I love you okay. We'll go to the mall another day. Eric steps out of the truck as Lee drives out and leaves. Eric walks towards the entrance of the house as the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 6. Dinner with my ex-husband part 2. 7.32 PM. February 27, 2049. We see Leah entering the restaurant wearing a bright yellow blouse with a little bit of makeup. She holds her purse in her hand as she is lead by the server to an empty table. She takes a seat and adjusts her hair. Swanson enters wearing a fancy green button-up shirt with black slacks. He smiles as he sees her at a distance. Swanson. Hey. Leah. Hey. Swanson. This is a nice place. It's changed since the last time I was here. Unless it's the same. Leah. Were you drunk the last time you were here? Swanson. 
I was quite cross-faded the last time I was here but that's the past. Leah. Yeah it is. Swanson. Are you hungry? Leah. A little. Swanson. I'm starved. I had a small lunch today. Waiter. Leah. I like your outfit. You always did have a sense of style. Swanson. I didn't actually. We can thank Mick for that. Leah. Oh yeah. Mick. What a sweet man. He liked calling me his daughter. You were like a son to him. Swanson. Yeah, you know, I've been working with him and it's just great. I realized how long I had actually forgotten about him. I hadn't seen him in years and I came back and asked for a job and he gave it to me with a snap of the fingers. Leah. That's family. Swanson. He was more of a dad to me than my real dad by a long shot. Swanson smells the air as he begins looking at his menu. He savors the smell with a nod. Swanson. That scent. It's a familiar scent. What's that perfume you're wearing? Is it Chanel? Leah. It is Chanel. You like it? Swanson. You were always more of a Marc Jacobs but this is a good one. Leah. People change Adam. Swanson. Believe me, I know. I like the scent though. I really do. You smell good Leah. Leah. If I didn't, would you tell me? Swanson. Yes but only because I wouldn't my son to smell you. Leah. You were always such an ass ha ha. Swanson. I had my moments. Do you know what you want? Leah. Do you know what you want? Swanson smiles and looks up at Leah. Swanson. I know what I want. Leah doesn't notice and Swanson goes back to looking at his menu. Leah. I think I'll go with the fried salmon. Swanson. I'm feeling like some lobster macaroni. It says it comes with a salad. Leah. Salads are good for you. Swanson. No, no, no. You want my salad? Leah. My fried salmon comes with a salad too. Swanson. Fine. Fine. I'll eat my salad but I'm not going to enjoy it. The server comes back and takes their orders. The server walks away and then comes back moments later with biscuits. Swanson. How did Brian like the park yesterday? Leah. He couldn't stop talking about how you got on the playground too. Swanson. You're never too old to get on a playground. I'm glad he had fun. Leah. He fell asleep like a baby yesterday. Swanson. So did I going up and down slides is tiring. Leah. Maybe you're just old. Swanson. I'm not old. I'm a year older than you. We're still young. Leah. I don't know about that ha. Huh? Swanson. How's um, how's Ray doing? Leah. He's, he's good. Swanson. Is that awkward me asking about him? Leah. No, no, it's just, odd that you ask about him. You don't have to like him, you know? Swanson. I know. I know I don't. I have yet to say that I do or don't. You said he works at the post office? Leah. Yes. He's mostly at a desk doing paperwork. Swanson. Well I guess that's good. He seems like a good guy for you. God knows you have been deserving a good guy for a long time already. Leah. Maybe. Swanson. You know what was the first thing I did with my check last week? Leah. What? That shirt? Swanson. No. This was like the third or fourth thing I bought. The first thing I bought with my first check was ice cream for Brian and myself. I had forgotten what it felt like to be a father for a long time Leah. It's a beautiful thing that I often wonder how I let myself go so far in bullshit. Leah. I wondered the same thing but you were never willing to listen. Swanson. I know, I know. You were right. You were always right. I should have gotten help. Things would have been so different if I did. Leah. Maybe they would have. The server brings the food as Swanson wafts his food causing Leah to laugh. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 7. The Ride Along Part 2. 5.58 PM. February 21, 2049. George and Sheriff Villarreal continue driving as the flat tire continues hitting the ground each time. We also see the emergency lights turned on. The speedometer shows the car is driving a little over 10 miles per hour. George. Fuck. Villarreal. Relax. George. 
I'll be fucking relaxed when I find the shithead who left the box of nails on the dirt road. Vireal. Stop the car. George. No. We need to get to a store. Vireal. There ain't no fucking store for at least half an hour if we were driving at a regular speed. You need to calm down. This car is just that, a fucking car. Let it go. George. This car is not just any car. Vireal. I need you to relax for starters Georgie or you will leave me no choice but to open a can of whoop ass. George pulls the car over on the side of the road. He grips the wheel and starts laughing loudly. George. One on one, right now grandpa. George and Vire all exit the car immediately leaving with each closing the door aggressively. We see them both leave their phones inside the car in the cup holder. We see them walk towards the grass yelling and cussing at each other. Vire all. You little cocky shit. George. Fuck you Vireal. Vireal. Fuck you and your mom. Vireal throws a right hand and strikes George right on the chin. George leans back and grabs it because it was a good right hook. Vireal puts his hands in the air as George throws a couple of punches to Vireal's abdomen. Vireal and George keep throwing hands at each other. They keep getting further and further from the car. George then throws himself on top of Vireal. George. Bitch. Right hand and left hand into Vireal's face. Vireal flips it around with Vireal choking the life out of George with both his hands wrapped around his neck. Vireal. You're the bitch. All you do in whine and complain. George throws a left hook and Vireal falls to the ground laying right next to George. They are both breathing heavy by this point in time. George stands up and extends a hand to Vireal. Vireal sits up and accepts George's help. He kicks George immediately right in the groin with his left foot. George. Damn you. Uck. That's an illegal move. Vireal. Damn you, in my day, woo, there was no such thing as, an illegal move, bitch. George. You crazy bastard, I'm trying to have a kid for God's sake. My nutsack, woo, ain't what it used to be. You think I'll be able to deliver with this shit. Vireal. Fine, I'm sorry, here. Vireal extends his hand to George. George accepts the help with him still hurting from the low blow. George kicks Vireal right back in the groin with his right foot and Vireal falls to the ground. George. You, you already had a kid. Vireal. Fuck you Georgie. George gets on top of Vireal and tries to sock it into him but Vireal rolls over standing up. They both pick their hands up as they throw lefts and rights at each other. George then gets Vireal into a headlock. Vireal is unable to get out. George. Tap out. Tap out. Vireal. No. No. Vireal in one swift motion is able to flip George as George lands on the ground with Vireal reaching for his gun. He points it at George. George immediately also pulls out his gun. They now both have their guns pointed at each other. George. What the fuck are we doing? We're, we're fucking professionals for God's sake. Vireal. I know I am. George and Vireal both slowly put their guns down after looking at each other with intensity. George. We both are. They begin lowering their guns slowly as Vireal helps George up. George. I'm sorry. You're right. You're absolutely right. The car can get fixed. Vireal. No, no. I'm sorry. I was acting like an asshole. George. We both were. They both catch their breaths and stretch before walking back to the car in the distance. Vireal. Yeah, but we shouldn't. We're a fucking family for crying out loud. We'll just, we'll keep this shit to ourselves. No need for Alex or anyone else to know about this. George. Yeah. Agreed. Vireal. You got some heart in you kid. George. You basically kicked my ass. Vireal. Maybe I did but I'll be the one feeling sore tomorrow. George. I hope to be able to kick ass when I'm your age. Vireal. Trust me, you'll want to be dead for about three years when you're my age. The screen goes black as they both grab their crouch for relief. Dash. Scene 8. Dinner with my ex-husband part 2. 9.27 PM. February 27, 2049. We see Leah and Adam bite into their food a couple of times. The fork makes the click clacking noise with the plate. Leah wipes her mouth as she looks on Adam. Adam notices but pretends not to notice. 
Adam. Leah? Leah. What's up? Adam. I know I have, I still have more of your trust to gain, but I was thinking. Leah. What were you thinking? Adam. I was thinking if I could join you in planning my son's birthday party. Leah. Really? Adam. Yeah, just like we used to. You remember how we would always do that together? Leah. I mean, you are already more likely invited to the birthday party itself. Adam. Well, what do you say? Will you help me help my ex-wife throw my son a birthday party with the candy, the balloons, and the cake? Leah. We could use the help. Adam. We? Leah. Yeah, me and my dad are planning it. Adam. Oh yes, your father. Brian's always talking about him. What's your dad's name again? Leah. Alejandro. His name is Alejandro Galdams. Some people call him Alex. Adam. I guess I'll stick with Mr. Galdams. You don't think he would mind, do you? I mean I don't know if he knows about me, I'm guessing you've told him about me? Leah. Brian and me barely told him a couple of days ago during dinner. Ray was there too. My whole family was there. Adam. Oh. What did he say? Leah. What could he say? He doesn't know you? Have I told you that he had a private investigator look for us? Adam. That's how he found about you all? Leah. No, he found out about us when Miss Hernandez passed away. Our birth was unknown to him all these years. He found us with a private investigator and he got so much information on us. He met us that day. Adam. That day in court. He was the guy with the expensive looking suit, right? I remember seeing him when I was brought in. Leah. I wouldn't doubt that he is your whole file too. I felt like he was nosy for looking into our lives that, but these past few months have been great. He's really helped me a lot with Brian. He brought our family unit back. We have family dinners on Thursday. I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for the father I never had. There's a slight pause from Leah. She collects her thoughts and debates whether Adam should help or not. Leah. I don't think he would mind letting you help in planning the party. Adam. Well, then it's settled. I'm helping plan the party of the week. Leah. More like the party of the month. Adam. The party of the year. Leah. I like that. The party of the year. He'll love it, I just know it. I find it funny how we are going above and beyond to plan a birthday party for Brian when we both know he would much rather just have a little cake with just his close family. Adam. That's why we're the parents. We decide. He doesn't need it but regardless, he will get it and love it. Leah. I hope you are up for the task. Adam. I couldn't be more serious baby, I mean Leah. Sorry. I couldn't be more serious Leah. Leah smiles and takes a sip of her wine. Adam and Leah take off in the same vehicle. He pulls into Leah's parking lot and brings the car to a full stop. Leah and him stay quietly in their seats. There's tension in the car and the windows would blush if they could. The heat is felt but both try their very best to ignore everything. They exit the vehicle as Adam walks with Leah to her front door. Leah. That was a good dinner. Adam. Yeah it was. Fuck that salad. Leah. Ha ha. They approach the front door. Are they going to kiss? Leah. I forgot Brian was at my dad's. Adam. Do you want to go pick him up? I can take you and we can get him together. Leah. Oh. Nah, you know it's okay though. I really appreciate it but I have to go do something. Adam. What do you have to do? Leah. Stuff. Adam. Stuff? Leah. Yeah, stuff. Adam. Are you doing what I think you're doing? Is Leah going to invite Adam inside? Leah. You're doing it too. Adam. I'm sorry. It's a force of habit. Leah. Come inside. Adam. That is, not the first time you've told me that. Leah. Ha ha. You're gross. That's not what I meant. She laughs to herself as Adam laughs a little too. Leah. It's probably for the best that you don't, right? Adam. Yeah. With everything going on, yeah. Ray might kick my ass. Leah. Oh please, you and I both know that that wouldn't stop you. Adam. Ha ha. I don't know, he looks tough. Leah. You're toughish. Adam. 
The walking definition of tough is euophilia. You are the toughest woman I have ever met. You're probably the toughest woman I'll ever meet. Leah. You really think that? Adam. No. I know that. Adam takes a step closer to Leah as he almost wants to go in for a kiss but he's holding himself back. He leans back. Adam. I should be going. Let me know the details about the party. I'll um, I'll clear my schedule up. Leah. I'll let you know. Adam. Good night Ophelia. Leah. Good night Adam. He goes for a hug as Leah offers a handshake. Then they switch their goodbye method. They laugh with each other for a moment looking at each other. They smile at each other one last time. She unlocks the door and steps in as she takes one last look at Adam as he walks back towards his car. She smiles a little and the door closes as the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 9. The Ride Along Part 3. 6.11 PM. February 21, 2049. George and Vera all continue to dust themselves off as they begin walking back to the car. George leads the way as they go through the grass and the dirt. We take a look at George's car on the side of the road. They get closer and closer to the car as an 18-wheeler rams into the car. George and Vireal were lucky enough to be far away from it that nothing hit them. The car gets hit abruptly as the driver immediately hits the brakes on the 18-wheeler almost losing control of his vehicle but he's able to take control. Both vehicles come to a halt several feet away as George's face gets red quickly. The driver of the 18-wheeler steps out of the vehicle and goes to make sure George and Vireal are alright. George. What the fuck? Driver. Oh my god, I am so sorry sir. Thank god nobody was in the car huh? George. Who's fixing that car huh? That car was my fucking old man's car. It's all he left me. It was all he left me. And now it's fucking gone so I'm putting a cap in your ass. George pulls out his gun and points it at the driver. Vireal. George. 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 I know you're upset about the car. This guy fucked up, and he fucked up big time because he was probably falling asleep at the wheel. He made a mistake but it's just a car son. You can always fix this one. It didn't catch fire or anything. Everything is still intact. George. Damn it. Damn it all to hell. You're right. You're right. George still had the gun pointed at the driver. The driver still holding his hands up thinking George is going to shoot him. Vireal. All I know is that we got to go. We can call somebody to come for the car. We just need to get the fuck out of there because something has it out for us. We could have been in that car and we wouldn't be here now. George. Fuck. He puts his gun away as George tries to calm himself because Vireal is right and he knows it. George. He deserves one punch at least. Vireal. You have my blessing. George then takes a right hand to the driver not expecting anything and the driver falls to the ground grasping his face in agony. George reaches for the guy's cell phone which does have coverage and he calls for someone to come get the car. He walks away from the guy as Vireal tries not to laugh. He helps the driver up from the ground as he now has a bloody bruised lip. Driver. I'm so sorry. I think I was, I think I was falling asleep at the wheel. Vireal. All is forgiven. Maybe. George walks back to them and hands the phone to the driver. George. The tow truck should be here in an hour. Driver. My 18-wheeler can, can support your car. The truck is, the truck is empty right now. George. Holy shit. Even better. Vireal and the driver walk over to the back of the 18-wheeler as the ramp is dropped and the back door is lifted to reveal an empty truck just like he said it would be. George drives the dented car up the ramp. The ramp goes up and lifts the car off the ground barely able to do so. George then drives the car inside of the 18-wheeler. He takes the keys out of the ignition and walks out of the 18-wheeler back cabin. George then lowers the back door and locks it as the driver locks the ramp in place. Vireal. What's your name? Driver. Roger. Vireal. Well nice to meet you Mr. Roger, today you will have the privilege of taking us home since you decided to fall asleep at the wheel and ram our automobile. If I see you even almost close your eye I will shoot you right between the eyes and dump your body on the side of the road. Do we understand each other? Roger. Yes. Vireal. Yes what? Roger. Yes sir. George. Let's roll the fuck out. They begin walking to the 18-wheeler and it begins driving away slowly. The 18-wheeler begins pulling out of the side of the road and begins moving along. 
We see Roger still at the wheel of the 18-wheeler as they drop off Vireal at his home. Vireal walks off up his driveway as they begin driving away. The 18-wheeler is shown pulling out of Vireal Street. We then see George sitting in the passenger seat with Roger chugging his energy drink to stay awake. His eyes bat at George who still has a gun pointed at him. George. I wanted to kill you Roger. Roger. I'm sorry about the car George. It was an accident. Is it about the money? I can pitch in money to fix it up. George. I don't need your money. Money doesn't mean shit but that car, that car Roger, that car was everything to me. My family was a poor family Roger. My father was a painter. We barely made it by but we were happy with what little we had. Roger. Your father was a painter? George. Yes. He worked his ass off his whole life. He painted walls, doors, inside, and outside too. Roger. What happened to him? George. He died. I must have been about 20 years old when he died. My mother never worked a day in her life. She was a housewife. When he died, we were barely able to have a funeral for him. My mother the good wife that she was, had saved just enough money to pay for his funeral. My father had about $800 to his name or so we thought. At the reading of his will, we found out he had a savings account that nobody knew about. He had about $2,000 in it. Roger. What did the will say? George. I was working washing cars during that time and I didn't have a car. I would have to walk in the hot sun to wash cars in the hot sun all day. My dad saved those $2,000 for me. It stated in his will that I used those $2,000 for a car so I could drive myself to a better job, a better future than washing cars. George stops pointing the gun at Roger and puts it down. He remembers that it's just a car. Nothing more. It's not destroyed and it's fixable. Roger. Well that car looked way more than $2,000. George. You would think that, but the car cost me $1,000 and it was a piece of junk when I bought it. I gave the other half to my mother like any good son would. My father, my father died and he was saving money so his son could have a car Roger. Roger. Some parents really do go above and beyond for their children. They put their children above their very own needs sometimes. Your father, he sounded like, like he was a good man. George. He was a good man and I miss him every day. My father would have been so proud of how well his money was spent. Roger. The love a father can give to a son. The love a father can give to his children. I have three children. George. Three children? Roger. Yes sir, three children who I would give my life for. That's why we do the things we do George. I work three jobs so my family has the life they have. I work as a truck driver, as a cashier, and I cut lawns when I can. George. Oh shit. That's, that's insane. Roger. I work three jobs so my family has everything they'll ever need and more. George. You probably never even get to see them. Roger. I don't get to see them that often but that's the price for the family to have everything they need. I work hard so my family never goes to bed hungry, always has the newest clothes, and they get cool presents come Christmas time. Sometimes I get a little pessimistic but I always carry this photo of my family. They motivate me to be a better worker and a better man. Roger shows George the picture of his family. We don't get a look at it but we see George's reaction. He's at a loss of words. He now realizes why Roger was falling asleep. He was falling asleep because he's busting his ass all the time. He was so worried about the car that he almost forgot about the damage it probably did to the 18-wheeler. Roger. I'll pay you back for whatever sounds fair to you George. I'm sorry bro. I now see how much the car meant to you. George. What about the 18-wheeler? Roger. What about it? George. It looked pretty bad when it hit the car. Roger. Oh that, don't worry about it. I'll fix that. This is my 18-wheeler anyways. Nobody uses it except me. We see George's reaction as they approach his home. The 18-wheeler reaches a full stop as the brakes are pressed. George. Thank you, for everything Roger. Roger. Let me get my checkbook. George. You know what, don't worry about it. Roger. Nonsense. How much? George. No. I can't. I can't accept your money Roger. You are what every father should aspire to be. You need that money more than me. Believe me, I also know a guy who can fix the front part of your 18-wheeler. He could give you a good price. I think I have his card somewhere in my wallet. Tell him that George sent you. 
George reaches for his wallet and searches for a business card and finds it and then hands it Roger. Roger, I can't let you accept nothing. Please. George then pulls out his gun and points it at him. George, you saved us already. We dropped off my car at my guy's place. You have done enough and I appreciate it. Don't make me do this. Please. Roger. Okay. Fine. I won't give you a dime. George. I wouldn't have it any other way. Have a safe trip back. George exits the vehicle as he holds his gun in his right hand. He places it back to his side as he walks away from the 18-wheeler. Roger waves as George doesn't notice but continues walking towards his home. The brakes are taken off and the vehicle begins moving and driving away. He's smiling and enters his home. He enters the dark house as he closes and locks the door behind him. He enters the kitchen with the lights already on and his wife sitting down having a cup of tea in her silk robe. She runs up to him and hugs him. They squeeze each other for a second as they tell each other they love the other. He holds her for a second more as the hug ends and she looks up at him. George. I'm okay baby. We could have been goners but gladly I'm okay. It wasn't my time. Today made me realize a lot. I'll also need to borrow your car tomorrow. Brandy. What the hell? Really? George. Yeah really. Brandy. You don't seem angry about it. George. I was angry about it, for a second or two but that time's over. I think I've decided I do want to have a kid after all. Brandy. Really? George. Really baby. Brandy. Well, I have some news for you too. George. What is it? Brandy. I missed my period a couple of days ago so I went to get a pregnancy test because I was worried and well. George. Are you? Brandy. Yes. I'm pregnant baby. George. That's awesome baby. Today made me realize that life is too damn short. I hope it's a boy. George and Brandy hug it out as George squeezes her and even lifts her up holding her as they smile at each other and give each other Eskimo kisses. Brandy. I hope it's a boy too. George. We got lucky, I got lucky. Brandy. We should celebrate tonight. George. How about tomorrow huh? I've had a rough day and I need to be up and about early tomorrow. Brandy. How about you take a shower and you come to bed and I do everything. George. You are so desperate it scares me, fine. Brandy. I'll be waiting. Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue begin playing. Brandy goes for a big hug holding George as he holds her right back. They hold each other in their arms as the camera starts panning back as they embrace one another. The scene then changes to show Swanson in his car as the music still plays in the background. He smiles as he drives on the road. Maybe thinking about Leah. His son. Both for sure. The scene then shows Vireal enter his home with the music playing in the background. He takes off his shoes as his wife Pam walks over and hands him an ice cold beer. She kisses him as he holds her for a while. She was always understanding and that was one of the reasons he loved her. The scene changes to show Alejandro walking down his hallway to admire the Christmas photo they all took together. He smiles at it as the music continues in the background. He nods to himself as he feels a warmness in his heart that he never knew still existed. The music continues as we see Eric inside of the living room. He stares at a family picture of himself, Erica, Lee, and Leslie. It's not a recent picture as Leslie looks much smaller than she actually is. It must have been at least two years since they took that photo. He nods no to the photo as he sighs to himself. He walks away from the photo as the camera stays focused on the photo for a few more seconds as the screen goes black and the music ends too.